Do you have trouble seeing up close or far away? How about at night? I know I do. Go check out Design for Vision and Sunglass Central. They are the premier eye care center for all eyeglasses, sunglasses, and contact lenses in southeastern PA. Whether it is the quality eyeglasses, sunglasses, or contacts that you're looking for, their styles represent the latest in fashionable but affordable eyewear. Not only do they offer a wide selection of non-prescription brands, but they offer prescription lenses fabrication. Whether it's in-store or online, they carry all major brands such as Oakley, Dolce & Gabbana, Coach, Michael Kors, Ray-Ban, Maui Jim, Wiley X, and many more. With over 50 years of experience, Design for Vision and Sunglass Central are the best in fabrication, selection, and fitting of designer and specialty glasses. Design for Vision has convenient locations in Morrisville, Levittown, New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson. Sunglass Central can be found at the New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson locations. That's designforvision.com and sunglasscentral.net. This is Chet with Flow Racing. You're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Salute Podcast presented by Line Decker Racing Engines. Going over to Facebook, pop J Line Decker Racing Engines in your search bar and go see what Jason's got going on. On to our breaking news items this week. Not a whole lot of crazy things going on, but definitely some things I want to touch on. First and foremost, I think I might have screwed up the other week. At the conclusion of the World of Outlaws stay at Volusia Speedway Park, I'm pretty sure I stated that David Gravel won the Big Gator Championship for the Sprint Cars. That's not yet the case. The World of Outlaw Dirt Car Nationals Big Gator will be decided when the World of Outlaw Sprints return to Volusia Speedway Park next Sunday, March 5th. Gravel is currently the leader in the Big Gator points for the sprint cars, ahead of Logan Schuhart by 12 points and Carson Macedo by 18. In addition to that, World of Outlaws have made some adjustments to their purse for the trip to Weed Sports Speedway on July 29th and 30th for the Empire State Challenge weekend. They will now compete for the largest sprint car purse in Wheat Sports Speedway history with more than $134,000 on the line. The two-day program will now see Saturday's portion pay $10,000 to win and $1,000 to take the green with a hefty winner's prize of $20,000 on Sunday and $1,500 to take the green. That is a lot of change. In addition to that and other sprint car news, High Limit Series adding a twist to their events in 2023, and we'll get Justin Peck's take on that in a little bit here with this week's interview. The Durst Dice Roll, offered to the front row starters of the A-Main, will add an interesting element with drivers given the choice to drop further in the field for a chance at extra winnings. The dash winner will get first dibs, and if accepted, will roll two dice. 
with the combined value determining their new starting position anywhere between 2nd, which would be snake eyes of course, and 12th, which would be double sixes. They'll start in whatever position the dice decide, and they will be rewarded with that many more thousands of dollars if they win. Now my take on that is, if it's a $50,000 show, which we'll have definitely at Lernerville for instance, if your dash winner rolls double sixes and opts to start 12th, and wins the feature, that's $62,000. This is very interesting, very interesting concept. I like it. If the dash winner declines the dice roll, the second place finisher in the dash will be given the same chance to start deeper and boost their winnings in the A main. The Durst dice roll is only offered to front row starters. Keep that in mind. Also, another twist will be coming during the double file restarts in the A main until the race hits 10 laps remaining. This is where the choose cone comes into play. The selection of restart positions will be completely in the hands of the drivers themselves. Once a single file order is established, drivers will then decide if they want to go low or high on the ensuing restart and potentially improve or worsen their position. Again, this is very fascinating. This is similar to what we've seen in NASCAR for the last couple of years. If the top is dominant, you could see the top five guys taking the top and the guy in six saying, well, I'll start on the front row of a restart and opt to take the inside. And as long as they can manage to get a really good restart, could potentially make a big difference. But it could also hurt some guys too. And just remember, with doing this, it's not, restarts aren't necessarily like NASCAR, where it seems to be a gradual shifting all one continual motion. Not a lot of positions are changed in NASCAR on an initial start or as quickly as they are on a dirt track. This could be very impactful. I really can't wait to see how this shakes out. On to some modified news. Dirt Vision has added Land of Legends Raceway to its weekly coverage for the 2023 season. If I already stated that previously, well, you heard it again. Very interesting. I believe this now makes... Land of Legends Raceway, the only modified track to have Dirt Vision on a weekly basis. Hmm. And lastly, Lucas Oil 8 models have announced all of their contingency awards for the season, as well as payouts. And let me tell you, wow, you might need a notebook for this. There's a lot, but I'm only covering it because it's a lot of money. I mean a lot. So let's start from the top. The champion, Tim McCready, last year won $150,000 for winning the championship. This year, it's going to pay $200,000. That's a lot. Their entire point fund is over $1 million. And then we get into some of the other awards that they have. First and foremost, let's get into the All-Star Performance Fast Time Award. $100 will be awarded to the overall fastest qualifier at each event, along with $500 cash and an all-star performance certificate at the championship awards banquet to the driver that earns the most fast time awards. Arizona Sports Shirts Crown Jewel Cup, 16 events within the series schedule that pay 30000 or more to the winner, 
The driver that earns the most total points within these 16 events will receive a $15,000 bonus at the championship awards banquet. Second through fifth will also pay 6,000, 4,000, 3,000, 2,000 respectively. Again, total point fund of $30,000 for just 16 events. Then we get into the engine builders challenge where they're going to pay, they're going to run points for each event based on the highest finishing driver utilizing a particular engine. Okay, so Vic Hill is a big name. Whoever's the highest finisher, they get points. That goes towards Vic Hill. At the end of the season, whoever has the most points will be crowned the ARP Engine Builder of the Year, $1,000 cash, and additional product certificates. Big River Steel most podium finishes, $1,000 cash at the banquet to the driver that has the most podiums. Brandon Ford TV Race Challenge. The driver that accumulates the most points within the 13 televised events on the series schedule will be crowned the Brandon Ford TV Race Challenge champion. $15,000 cash. Drivers finishing second and third, $5,000 and $2,000 respectively. Again, a lot of money flying around. Deathridge Optician's most popular driver and lucky 13th place finisher, a new award will be determined solely by fan vote. Whoever is voted the most popular driver will be announced during the championship banquet, $500 cash, and product certificates from Deathridge Opticians. And additionally, the driver that finishes 13th in each A-Main throughout the series schedule will receive a certificate towards the Opticians eyewear as well. Dirt Draft Fastest and Hot Laps. They say hot laps don't pay. There's t-shirts that say that. Not true if you run Lucas Oil. Driver that records the fastest lap during hot laps at each event will be awarded one point per event. Driver that earns the most throughout the season will receive $500 cash. Earnhardt Technologies most laps led. Again, calculating laps led throughout the series, throughout the schedule. Whoever holds the total, $500 more at the banquet. Fox Shocks most B-Main wins, $500 cash, and of course a product certificate at the banquet to the driver who accumulates the most B-Main wins. Fox is also going to provide a set of shocks to the Rookie of the Year at the end of the year banquet. Kaiser Manufacturing, driver that finishes last in the A-Main at every series event receives product certificate. Kryptonite Race Cars, gotta love Kryptonite Race Cars. Freddie Carpenter, the best ponytail in racing. They will award the national champion with one bare frame chassis. MD3 Tough Break Award. Product certificate to the driver that suffers bad luck during each event. They will also, uh, the staff for Lucas Oil will vote on which driver received this award. And then they will also award a product certificate to the Rookie of the Year. Midwest Sheet Metal Point Leader Spoiler Challenge. Midwest Sheet Metal returns as the title sponsor of the Point Leader Spoiler Challenge. Driver is leading the championship point standings at each event, will receive a $100 bonus, and carry the now infamous Day Glow Orange Spoiler. I like that. That is fantastic. That is something so minute. You know, NASCAR puts the yellow piece across the window for who's in the chase. Yeah, easy it would be to get a name cap to put on a sprint car that's, you know, bright pink or something indicating your point leader. 
it's just something different. It's so cool. I don't know any other series that does this. If I'm wrong, let me know. But I'm pretty sure no one else does. Now, the driver that accumulates the most spoiler challenge points throughout the season, $1,000 cash. Miller Multimatic Chassis Builders Challenge. Miller Welders has returned as a title sponsor of the Chassis Builders Challenge. Again, they will earn points at each event based on the highest finishing driver utilizing said chassis. They will award a brand new Miller Multimatic to the chassis builder who owns the most points throughout the season. MSD, the first non-transferring driver from B-Main 1, will receive product certificate at every event. O'Reilly Auto Parts Rookie of the Year, $100 bonus at each event to the highest finishing rookie. The driver that earns the most rookie points throughout the season will receive $20,000 cash at the banquet and additional product certificates as well. Second and third, $5,000, $2,500 respectively. This is insane. And where is all this money coming from? Brew Chief of the Year, sponsored by Outerwares. They will recognize the hardworking behind-the-scenes individuals that keep the driver in the hunt and for victory every week. They will award points to the crew chief of the race at every event. Crew chief that accumulates the most, $1,000 cash. Performance bodies, a main winner at every event will receive $400 certificate towards the purchase of a nose and fender kit from performance bodies. Penske shocks, most top five finishes. $1,000 cash at the banquet to the driver that earns the most top fives. They will also award product certificates to the winner of Heat Race 1 at every event. Simpson Most Heat Race wins $500 additional, $500 cash plus product certificate at the awards banquet to the driver that earns the most Heat Race wins. They are also providing product certificates to the winner of Heat Race 3 at every event. Summit Racing Equipment Product certificates to the following positions at every event. Heat race winner two, A main winner, 15th place in the A, and the highest finishing non-series regular driver. Again, it's just giving these guys more and more and more. This is what brings guys to the track. No lie. Yes, a big paying top dollar win. A spread out, evenly dispersed purse that pays good throughout the field. But this right here, and I've said it about the Short Track Super Series too, it's all about the contingencies. It is all about this. That guy that finishes 15th is going to appreciate that. He gets something in addition. He or she gets something in addition to just the regular payout. This is nuts. Sunoco Race for Gas. Rewarding drivers that utilize Sunoco Race Fuels. Driver that earns the most Race for Gas points receives $3,000 in cash. Drivers finished second and third will also receive $2,000 and $1,000 respectively. Swift Springs, the A main winner at every series event, receives a product certificate as well. This is nuts. The series champion will get four springs at the banquet. Terminal Maintenance and Construction Pull Award. The driver that earns the most pull awards throughout the season receives $500 cash. Todd Steele Buildings Hard Charger of the Year. $100 cash to the hard charger at every event. Additionally, $500 cash at the year-end banquet to the driver that earns the most hard chargers. This is insane. VLAN most feature wins $2,000 at the banquet 
to the driver that has the most feature wins. And they will also be providing 10 sheets of aluminum to the Rookie of the Year. And last but not least, Willwood Brakes Lucky 7th Place Award. $100 product certificate to the driver that finishes 7th in every A-Main. Driver that earns the most 7th place finishes throughout the season will get an additional $500 product certificate at the banquet. This is nuts. So in addition to paying $200,000 a win, typically your champion tends to have a lot of wins, tends to win heat races, tends to be fast time. We're talking all this cash just flying around. This is so good to see, and I hope other series try and pounce on this concept and just keep progressing it. That's our breaking news. On to our results. We're going to fast forward all the way to Thursday. Icebreaker 30, Lincoln Speedway, 5,000 to win. Hats off to Lincoln. Weather was fantastic. That infield was a zoo. People were everywhere. In the end, Freddie Raymer becomes your back-to-back Icebreaker season opener winner. Getting it done over Justin Peck, Danny Dietrich, Devin Borden, and Matt Campbell rounding out the top five. On to Friday, we go indoors. Cure Insurance Arena, Trenton, New Jersey. Indoor Dirt East Coast Nationals, 1,000 to win the qualifiers on Friday. And we're talking 600 micros here. Qualifier number one went to Briggs Danner over straight shooter Scott Kroeder and Stephen Snyder Jr. Qualifier two, Zach Beeler getting it done over Billy Pouch Jr. and Tyler Ulrich. Qualifier number three, The Edge, Eddie Strada, getting it done over Marty Bryan and JT Bierman. And qualifier number four went to Timmy Buckwalder over Alex Bright and Connor Gross. On to Saturday. We're still indoors. 600 micros, 5,000 to win inside the Cure Insurance Arena in Trenton, New Jersey. Timmy Buckwalder's been on baby watch for quite some time now. Could be any moment that they will be expecting the arrival of their second child. And Timmy went and raced. And kudos to him, he went home each night. After practice, after the qualifiers, and of course after the feature, went home and came back to make sure he was there if needed. That's kudos in my book. Timmy started eighth, ended up getting caught up in a jingle with... Briggs Danner had to go to the rear and all of a sudden was back in the top five. And we were all kind of confused. Like, where did he come from? Well, he ended up the winner. Timmy Buckwaller utilized his ability to run the bottom so well, as you guys heard Hank Davis state the other week on, on the show. And that seemed to be the place to be. And if you could ride that and, and run that, it was kind of slicked off, and it wasn't a ton of grip. Top was there, but it, you could also get eaten alive by that top. Timmy ran that bottom like a champ, getting it done over Billy Pouch Jr. Hats off to Adriana Delapani, 19th the third. First time there. First female to make the A-Main, and then podiums. She was overwhelmed the victory lane. The most genuine smile and excitement. That's the stuff that we love to see in dirt racing is to see these kids just come up and be successful and be so humble and overwhelmed with joy. 
So hats off to her for finishing third, Zach Beeler fourth, and Kyle Spence running out the top five. On to today. Yes, I waited until Lincoln got done to cut this Icebreaker 30 weekend. They did not run Saturday because of the weather, but they did put on the show today and added an additional $1,000 to win. This one was for $6,000. And in the end, Justin Peck, your winner, today's guest, getting it done over Brent Marks, Devin Borden, Danny Dietrich, and Anthony Macri rounding out the top five. And those are your results. Yes, we were swamped through the early month of February with tons of results. Because Florida was booming, now there's a little bit of a lull. But just wait until we hit March, and it's going to start to escalate this weekend's upcoming events. World of Outlaw Late Models, Friday and Saturday, Tennessee tip-off, Smoky Mountain Speedway in Tennessee. 10000 to win Friday, 15000 to win on Saturday. I can't wait. Love that Tennessee clay. Watching what them late models are able to do on these facilities. And it's going to be a good one. And also on Saturday, Lincoln Speedway back in action for another afternoon show. Modified Madness, 410 Sprint Cars, and 358 Modifieds. I've seen quite a few guys that run the PA New Jersey Spec Motor Program run weekly in PA or Jersey have already committed to running this event. Dwayne Howard, Jeff Strunk are definitely two of them. I know there has been modified racing at Lincoln in the past. It's been quite a few years. I don't recall ever being at one of those events. So this will be a first for me, just like it will be at Hagerstown in a few weeks. Cannot wait to see how this plays out and how well our modifieds do at a track like Lincoln. Those are your coming events. Those were your results. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash that five-star rating button on all your podcast platforms. And a big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown and Company for the support. On to this week's episode. Yes, Justin Peck, the driver of the Book Motorsports O number 13 410 Sprint Car. Finally got him on the show. We've been trying to work this out for a couple of weeks. My hospital visit did not help that. But Justin was accommodating and very happy to be on the show. And we dive into a bunch of things. Of course, what his season looks like this year, they're still not committed. How things went last year with running 99 410 shows and, you know, life on the road. And he gives me a little bit of an insight on what went down at East Bay at the King of the 360s with the tire issues and guys blowing them left and right. And he's been a victim of that. And of course, we cap everything off with our Bill Brown and Company sponsored Green White Checkered segment. So that's all I got for you. Wait. Till you see next week's guest, some of you, your heads are going to explode and everyone's going to want to tune in. But until then, enjoy the show. Are you looking to make your mark in the construction world? Join the growing crew at Pioneer Pole Buildings. Does switching up your routine interest you? Look no further than Pioneer Pole Buildings. Pioneer Pole Buildings travels to seven states on a regular basis and returns home most evenings. Would you like to be paid travel time and extra money when you do have to stay overnight? They have that covered too. They have full-time positions on their crews constructing pole barns. Pioneer also completes re-roofs, additions, insulation and interior liner, 
as well as custom builds. Pioneer Pole Buildings is looking for carpenters based out of the Schuylkill Haven, Reinholds, Nutripoli, and Upper Black Eddy areas. You can contact Pioneer Pole Buildings through their Facebook page or on the web at ppb1.com or via telephone at 1-800-448-2505 or you can contact Jess directly at 570-739-0078 extension 132. Pioneer Pole Buildings could be your future. On this week's episode of the Four Wide Slew Podcast, I have with me the driver of the Tom Book-owned num- number 13 410 sprint car, Justin Peck. Man, uh, Florida, what's your takeaway from good runs at East Bay and not too bad of runs at Volusia? Yeah, no, I felt like we had pretty consistent speed all around. You know, it's nice to uh, it's nice to have some speed at the half miles, and we had you know two top five runs there and uh, qualified pretty good a couple of times. You know, had, was just a little hit and miss there. Um, you know, East Bay was pretty good to us. I mean, you know, two two uh, two runner up finishes is you know not terrible. Uh, you know, we had speed there as well. So uh, you know, looking forward to uh, you know getting the icebreaker going this weekend. So icebreaker. I'm. I was very surprised to see the announcement they're running Thursday, which I'm sure it caught everyone off guard. I, are they trying to run all three days if they can, or is it just now Thursday? Do you know what the what the program's looking like? Yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, you know, they just pretty much added a race. I mean, taking advantage of the nice weather, it's going to be pretty nice on Thursday. So I think they're just trying to take advantage of that. Um, you know, as far as I know, I don't think there there's any cancellations for Saturday and Sunday. So um, I think it's just a bonus race. Wow, that's not bad. And uh, especially with it being the Central PA kickoff, there's going to be a lot of people attending for sure, especially on the weekend. I know a lot of people that have already made plans to camp out all weekend. So hopefully weather plays nice and, you know, we can get our kickoff here and PA off to a good start. I did want to bring up East Bay. So um, I think you're the perfect person to get this this take on. Did you catch any of the King of the 360s at East Bay? Yeah, I mean, I caught a, I saw the highlights. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, but you definitely fell victim to one of these uh, tire wear war of attrition races in Virginia not too long ago. Um, you know what you raced at this facility in East Bay a week, not even a week apart from this 360 deal. The races were good. On Thursday and Friday, at least from my vantage point, Saturday's a completely different ball game. You know, as a driver, you know, how do you adjust to something like that? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, that's kind of a one of those deals you, you're trying to push, but you know, you're still trying to save the tire. So it's tough. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know how much they, how much those guys could have done. Um, you know, at that point, you have a couple options. I mean, you can just baby it around the bottom and hope to make it or. You know, some of those guys, uh, you know, seem to play in the Hayford team's favor. They're blowing that tire. So, um, I don't know. It's tough, man. That's, that's one of those, uh, that's one of those, that's one of those deals that you just really don't know the answer. You're just, uh, kind of guessing. You're just kind of going along for the ride because it, it takes, I would think, a lot of what you know as a dirt race car driver out of play. And now it's just a matter of hoping your right rear hangs on as long as it can, right? 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, like I said, it's just it's one of those deals. You're just trying to preserve your tire. I mean, you're trying to make it to the end. Um, you know, it's it's tough to race when it's like that, though. I mean, you know, the group's pretty narrow, so you're all trying to go for one spot and trying to you know not get moved out of the way, essentially. And going to the race I spoke of at Virginia Motor Speedway when you fell victim to this, unfortunately, at the very last possible moment as the <laughs> leader, um, you know. What was going through your mind as, of course, you're seeing these cautions come out, you're seeing what the surface looks like, um, you know, that last lap, you have the lead. Did you think you had it in the bag that you were going to hold on or, you know, what was going through your head? Yeah, see that race, I, I kind of pushed it a little too early in that one. So I, honestly, I'm a little surprised my tire didn't go before it did. Um, you know, once I kind of got the second there, um, you know, Corey Lyson was leading and he ended up blowing a tire before I did. Um, so I inherited the lead. And from that point, it was just trying to take care of that thing. So, you know, it's going down, you know, you know, you don't have much tread left. Um, but you know, it's, it sucks that all we need to do is make it out of four and, you know, take the checkers. But, uh, you know, unfortunately that's not how it went down. So <laughs> we're, uh, you know, just maybe, maybe if I had to play back, just maybe take a little bit more care of my tire, not push so hard early, just kind of be a race of attrition. But, um, you know, that's a tough circumstance to be in. Yeah, and I can't think that you would know that that's what was going to happen in the late stages either to not use up what you had to. So it, it's almost like a magic eight ball kind of situation. You know, what do I do here? Yeah, you're kind of rolling the dice, definitely. Um, you know, and, and in that race, there was a, you know, it, it was a lot of those tire issues happened you know, after the halfway point. So there wasn't, um, you know, any time in the work area. So, you know, being able to, to have that kind of attrition is a good point tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what would have been worse being in, you know, Hayford Teep's position on Saturday or having what happened to the guys over at Volusia and the late models. I think it was Wednesday um, with debris stuck in the track and guys were cutting tires down left and right. Um, you know, I don't know which would have been better if there was a better situation to be in, but that looked pretty rough, too. Um you know, thankfully they found the debris that was stuck in the track and it wasn't an issue after the fact. But man, just just thinking about these teams, you know, going through all these tires so quick in this season. I mean, I guessing everyone budgets. I mean, everyone's just doesn't have an endless amount of money to buy all these tires. And then speed weeks aren't even over at the end of February and two different divisions have gone through a lot of rubber. I mean, that's pretty scary to start too. Yeah. So I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with the, you know, late model tires and stuff, but you know, with the sprint car, um, you know, the wing stuff, I mean, we, you know, we've got a new tire coming out as well. So, um, you know, I guess it's not, it's, it sucks to burn up tires, you know what I mean? But at the end, I mean, I, I guess also it might be a good thing trying to get rid of your inventory. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it allows for it, which I know has been a huge topic of late, especially, um, I know Port Royal has catched a whole lot of hell for it. Trying to figure out the best case scenario for these teams to be able to use up the tires that they were able to conserve last year and not go through and also to accommodate the new tires, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, especially here, you know, like I said, in PA and and seeing how guys survive. I saw some late model guys that run Port Royal had. 80 tires for sale at the end of last year um, because they don't know what they're going to do with them. They're just all sitting around and, you know, I would imagine some of your lower divisions are going to be able to use them. I don't think they're going to be stuck to the new tire rules as much, but um, you know, you said the new tire hasn't come out yet or has. 
No, it hasn't. I mean, we haven't switched them yet. We were still on our, uh, you know, we're selling the H15s on the right rear, H12s on the left rear, stuff like that. Okay. And I know you, um, you know, you work at Hoosier. What's your take on the new tire? What do you think, um, you know, is it, what do you think it's going to do from your standpoint? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not 100% familiar with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what it's going to do, um, you know, as far as the way it affects the race car. And, you know, I'm sure when, when you switch tires, there's going to be, you know, obviously there's going to be something different about it, right? And it's trying to, you know, incorporate that into your program, kind of work around, uh, you know, some new rubber to be on. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, see, see the effects. It might, you know, see if it'll shake things up or, you know, how quickly the guys will adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and of course, the cream always seems to rise to the top, too. So the guys who know what they're doing and, and you know, know their game are going to be the ones that are probably going to catch on a little bit quicker than others. But that's how it always goes. Um, so, man, huge news came out today about High Limit Series. And I want to get your take on this. Um, interesting scenario with a little bit of, I guess, rolling the dice in changing your starting position to earn bonus money or more money. What's your take on that? No, I think it's a cool opportunity, man. Uh, you know, I love to see what those guys are doing, man. They're just, uh, you know, bringing, bringing more money into the sport. Um, you know, it's a great thing when you can race on Tuesdays for a good payday. So um, it's hard to not support those guys, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think I, it, it all started with the late models with cash flow flow race night in America. I mean, it just worked right out of the gate with this, reasonable money it wasn't too over the top you know we're not talking six figures here we're talking it was 20 22,000 it was the first year but mm. it fit into the schedules perfectly and now on the air side of things you can run one of the top two touring series and still run their two smaller series and there's no conflicts so it's great that guys are figuring out a way to get more racing in more money available to you guys you know you guys are trying to make a living and uh, to be able to not conflict with other dates and stuff like that, which is really cool. And, um, you know, I looked at the list of the top so many paying sprint car races this year. Of course, Eldora's got those top spots locked with the, the big ones. But, I mean, I don't know how or why. Just going to the late model side of things again, Lucas Oil somehow manages to get 13, 50 grand or more races and sprint cars, which I thought were the premier dirt division in the country, don't have nearly as many. Yeah, the, uh, you know, I mean, the late model guys are, you know, it's been kind of known that those guys are the ones racing for the money. You know, I mean, they got the million first. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was great to see what those guys are doing. Um, you know, I would say they rival each other. Um, as far as, you know, being the premier, you know, side of stuff, I mean, you know, we're in the open wheel stuff, you know, they've got the fenders. So I would, you know, I would just say we're the premier divisions on our, you know, in our own respects. Um, but no, those guys, uh, you know, those guys, those guys are racers, man. I was actually, I was, I was at Belusia the other day. Um, I watched Saturday, uh, watched the late models and the modified. So that was, that was actually pretty cool, man. I was watching from the infield. So that that was cool to take in. Hudson came from like 23rd. Yep. Yep. 23rd, I think in a matter of. Two nights, and if you include Bubba's in there, there were four late race passes for the win between Friday and Saturday. It was something ridiculous. I mean, what do you think of the the big block modifieds? I mean, now you're you're in Central PA. Now you're really close to these Northeast big blocks. 
Uh, what's your take? You ever want to get in one? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool. You know, I mean, it'd be cool to drive a late model as well. I mean, like, you know, like I said, those guys are, um, you know, at the top of their own discipline. So um, it'd be cool to challenge yourself and try and race with the best, you know, in the modified stuff or in the late model stuff, either one. Yeah, there's been a lot of crossover as of late. I just had Lance on the other week. He was, you know, we were going through his experience at Hagerstown running his late model. And, um, you know, we saw Sunshine getting one for uh, the Dirt Million last year. Nick Hoffman has really made a big impact to being able to move from their version of modifieds into now a late model Strickler, the same. There's just been a lot of crossover as of late. And I even realized Daytona, you know, towards the end of that race on Sunday, there were quite a few dirt guys representing the top portion of that field. I, it seems like the crossover game is really big right now. Yeah, I think it just, you know, it just, uh, anytime you can get behind the wheel is a good thing. If you can, you know, get good at different disciplines, um, you can find things that, you know, in, in one car that might translate to another car and just, you know, kind of makes your game a little bit better. You know, each one of those, each one of those cars races is just slightly different. So the style of how you have to go about it, uh, you know, it can, can not, not necessarily always cross over, but you might be able to pick a few things up, you know, between each discipline. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, being that these cars are running on the same tracks as other divisions, I think is a huge benefit too. I think that alleviates some of the unknowns. You know, if you were to go hop in something different at a place like Eldora or, you know, a place like Lincoln or the Grove, you already have familiarity with that facility, with that surface, how that normally plays in. I think that also plays a big part too. Yeah, that would definitely, you know, be nice to be able to be on a surface you're familiar with, but um, you know, a lot of the guys that are crossing over are, you know, they're pretty good race car drivers in, you know, whatever car, whatever style of car they're in. So, uh, you know, they already kind of have a pretty good idea of what, 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 what they need to do to be able to win their, win races. So, um, you know, it doesn't take these guys very long to get comfortable. You know, you saw Larson, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how many races he had in a late mall, but it was pretty, pretty quick in his career. Um, <laughs> you know, he was winning races. So, I mean, you're also talking about the best all time in that one, um, but you see what I'm saying. I mean, race car drivers can figure out how to win races. Um, just a matter of getting comfortable. Yeah. Uh, Larson, let's see. If I'm not mistaken, he hot lapped that thing at Volunteer for a couple of days before the three-day show at Port Royal and won the finale for 50 grand that weekend. And I actually was not there that night. And we checked race monitor and we kept reloading it, thinking something was wrong with the app. Like, there must be a glitch here. Like, this can't be right. No, he did. <laughs> no, he did it. Yeah. Um, the only guy you have to talk to about crossover that didn't have a fun experience was when Overton hopped in the sprint car. What was that last year at Charlotte? Uh, definitely didn't go, I think, any which way he thought it was going to. But, um, yeah, this this crossover thing is – and I, I we got to give Kyle and, and Christopher Bell. I mean, those two guys, I think, have really opened that door – to this is possible you guys can you know try different things and you're not i mean yeah aj Foyt did it tony stewart did it the the few and far between have done it but i think those two in particular in a recent time have definitely opened that that gateway yeah and i think um you know just the way those guys went about their careers um it's kind of sort of shaped the way that you know guys like us kind of kind of tried to come up and and you know the goals that we try to achieve and um, you know, I think that, you know, goes hand in hand with, um, you know, it seemed like those guys can come back to the, you know, come back to the sport, um, of dirt racing after they've gone on and done the NASCAR thing for a while. 
um, you know, I think those guys help bring fans back into the sport. So, um, you know, it's a good thing for everybody when those guys can, can get behind the wheel of, of, you know, multiple different disciplines. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and even the, the broadcast guys, you know, Mike joy and everyone else included for Fox. And then again on NBC, they can't help, but not talk about it because it, They've done it so frequently now. It's not a one-off thing anymore. Yeah, Kyle Busch hopped in a late model at Bristol. And, of course, he ran Tulsa now a couple of years. But those two others in particular do it so frequently, they can't not talk about it, which I think is the greatest thing. And I and you're right. It, it's, it's what's becoming this crossover thing, which I think is perfect because for the longest time, there was a segregation between asphalt and dirt. Yeah, it's nice to see, you know, the fans being able to jump forth. And, um, you know, I think it might even be bringing interest into, you know, even pavement late model racing and things like that. Um, you know, something that, you know, might not have been um, those guys in particular um, forte, but it's good for all racing. Um, you know, dirt fans are paying more attention to the asphalt side of stuff. Asphalt fans are paying more attention to the dirt side of stuff. So, um, you know, it's just helping grow the sport. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys doing it now. I mean, Bowman's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys like that. I mean, he was, he ran most of Florida speed week there. So it, it's cool to see those guys, uh, having a, that, you know, people to be good enough to do the transition. Yeah. And even a guy like Bowman who fielded three cars at the chili bowl, you know, Chase Elliott did it. He got in a ride. That was that Bowman is, he now has a team established and that's really cool too. You know, him giving, Cole Macedo, an opportunity there, it was was awesome. And to almost be a in a Casey Kane type situation where, you know, you want to have your own team and you want to, you know, be successful like that. That's that's awesome to see that that big transition. Um, but, you know, just to change topics here a little bit. So, you know, I think guys like Larson and Bill are definitely helping the next generation of drivers aspire to become something, I think. They've definitely, you know, kids at our local dirt tracks, those are their guys. They always say it. What was your inspiration when you were younger to get your racing career up and going and to now be chasing 100 races this year? So my, uh, you know, my dad, uh, you know, was a racer growing up. I mean, he ran quarter minutes and then got into, uh, you know, go-karts. He eventually ran the payment late model side of stuff. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I was, I kind of thought racing was cool. You know, we remember watching NASCAR and stuff on Sunday and, uh, you know, eventually, you know, they took me out to a, uh, you know, a quarter midget race and that was kind of, I, you know, I thought it was pretty cool and I thought I could do it. So, um, that's kind of how it really got started. And, um, you know, it really wasn't until I was already racing that I, you know, kind of started watching dirt track racing and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of grew up watching the non-wing side of stuff mostly, uh, you know, being from Indiana, watching the USAC races and, you know, Silver Crown, Sprint Car and Midget and all that stuff. So um, that was kind of, you know, where it all started and, and you know, kind of what led me to here. So I really want to get into what led you to now you are, uh, I guess, somewhat relocated right to Central PA. So, you know, when I had ran into you in AC, you know, I, I told you I had no idea who you were until you landed the Trone ride. So you were in the 39 car for mm-hmm. a little bit there. Um, probably didn't have the greatest results you were anticipating and, of course, aspired to have. How did, for one, how did you end up going from running, you know, you were running fast and MOA stuff in the Midwest there. How did you end up in Central PA with that ride? And then how did the whole Tom Book thing happen? 
Well, I guess, uh, you know, I kind of got to credit, uh, you know, running some of that all-star stuff with Pete Grove there in this blue 70 car. Okay. Um, you know, I would say that just being out there and kind of racing around those guys, you know, Paul McMahon was in the car at the time and just racing around those guys there in the last part of, you know, 2019, um, and, and part of, you know, the first part of 2020 there, um, just being out there and being, you know, I was in Pennsylvania there towards the end of 2019, I ran some races out there and mm-hmm. you know, that was my first experience being in the Pennsylvania area. So, you know, that eventually just kind of led to, uh, you know, getting to know John Trone and, um, you know, Kevin Fry over there and kind of led me to that. That's kind of what led me to that ride. You know, I was out of a ride and I think they were, you know, kind of looking for a driver. So, um, got hooked up with those guys. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, I, I filled in for Paul McMahon when he had COVID, um, you know, got, you know, filled in, in the book sprint, uh, you know, Sean Strasbaugh called me one day when I was at work, uh, went up, I ran a couple of races in Wisconsin for him and just kind of stayed in touch and, um, you know, finished out that last part of the year in 2020 with Trone and, uh, you know, got some experience on Pennsylvania tracks, which was nice. You know, it's kind of what I needed. Um, you know, I, I mean, I already spent a lot of nights at, you know, Williams Grove and Lincoln Speedway driving for the 39. So it was nice to, you know, try and try and get more comfortable on those racetracks. And, um, you know, and then went into 2021 and, you know, felt like we've had pretty good success in the boot car ever since. Uh, yeah, big time. I think no offense to you or anyone else, you caught a lot of people off guard as you guys clicked pretty fucking quick. Um, I mean, what what is it with, in particular, I'm just going to speak about Port Lincoln and Grove. Obviously, you do run a lot of other tracks, but what is it about these three tracks and the whole Central PA atmosphere that, you know, you took a shine to, I mean, you kicked off, what was it, last year with wins right out of the gate in point races around here. What was it about these tracks that you just kind of clicked with? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think I, I credit a lot of it to, you know, Sean, my guy, Sean and uh, Kurt have a lot, you know, spent a lot of time here and, had, you know, they've raced a lot of races around these PA tracks. And, um, you know, that's kind of why, you know, I got into a race car that was pretty good around those, around those racetracks. So it was nice to, you know, um, get into something that, you know, was pretty close as it was. And then, you know, just kind of had to, you know, make some adjustments to my style and we just seem to keep getting better at it. But, um, you know, Pennsylvania fans are crazy, man. These guys are awesome, man. Like, seriously, like they're, they're pretty, I mean, I always thought Indiana was crazy, you know, being, you know, the non-way sprint car racing and stuff, but you know, Pennsylvania puts it to shame. Uh, they're a little nuts. And let me tell you, if the weather and temperature hold true for Thursday, wait till you see that infield uh, at at Lincoln. It's going to be, oh, my God. I mean, I went, what was it? Was it two years ago now? I think it was in the mid-60s or low-60s. And you couldn't find anywhere to park, period. The overflow lot was done. It was, I mean, it was a zoo just because it's just that atmosphere. When you... And I've always had this question, and I'm glad I can now present this to you. So, of course, you guys race in the dead of the summer, and it's hotter than hell. Those cars have got to be hot with that metal. You're in a full body suit and a fire suit, yet you're you're all no maxed up. What is it like running in February around here now, where it is still technically winter, with cold temperatures, you're going to hit them with the grow opener or ports opener, whichever, what's the the big difference there between running when it's a hundred degrees or when it's 35? Yeah. Um, you know, you just got to kind of pay attention to the track conditions. Track conditions can be a little bit different. Um, you know, you might have to adjust, you know, tune the motor a little bit just to get it, uh, you know, right with the air and everything like that. But, um, you know, just from a driver's standpoint, 
Um, it's nice not to, you know, be sweating so bad, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, you know, I gotta be honest. I kind of like, I kind of like racing in the heat. Uh, you know, I just, it's kind of like a workout. feels good. True. True. And you know, I know you've touched on it before running through the speed weeks from, you know, Ohio and then into PA and then transitioning all but into that Knoxville swing I mean, you're basically running your own version of Hell Tour, in theory. How do you not end up getting burnout or dehydrated, overexhausted? I mean, we're talking about the midsummer here. How do you manage to get through all of that, you know, safely, I guess, and sanely all at once? You just got to stay up on the hydration. Um, you know, it's tough, but, uh, you know, I got, like I said, I've got great guys, Sean and Kurt. Um, you know, those guys are machines. I mean, they, you know, they just get up and they do, you know, they get the job done night in and night out. So, um, you know, as long as I stay on my game, uh, you know, you just, like I said, you gotta stay hydrated. Um, you know, it's tough. I mean, you just get into a weird routine of you're going to bed late, you're waking up early, you're eating like crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hot. You're sweating all day. Um, it's tough, but it's, you know, they, those guys make it doable. So I got to give them credit. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, when stuff's going good, it's pretty easy. You know, it's, I shouldn't say it's easy, but um, when stuff's going good, you kind of get on a roll and kind of get into a routine of, you know, racing, you know, night in and night out. But when stuff's going bad, it's really hard to dig yourself out of a hole. So you just got to kind of stay focused and, and uh, you know, try and just, do, you know, stay focused and do the job. Yeah. I mean, especially if something goes awry one night where, uh, you know, something mechanically does go wrong or or worse, you know, you get balled up. It, it's got to be mentally tough to basically put that behind you overcome that right away the next night uh you know PAB week is now two weeks i mean you got ohio speed week is what a week and a half i mean these are long treacherous stretches where there is no rest for the weary Heltor, they occasionally have an intermittent day off but around here not so much as frequently um on to on to this year's plans uh Hundred races. So you ran ninety nine last year. Now, is that only in the boot car you ran ninety nine, or is that including running the chili bowl? No. So that was uh, that was just wing spread car races. Okay. So you did technically run over a hundred, but just wanted to clarify that. Um, and now your car owner is is actually asking why you didn't run more. So that cracks me up when I heard that, and the fact that you haven't committed yet to what you guys are doing other than the high limit stuff, which of course is only a 12 race commitment. So, you know, what's going into the thought process of running that many races and possibly not chasing one of the premier series? Um, you know, we're just trying to, you know, try and do what's best for the team. You know, um, I mean, we're just, we're, you know, trying to make the best plans we can, uh, try and go race for some money. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to pass up the high limit deal. Just, I mean, you're racing on Tuesdays and, you know, racing for 20,000, you know, 20 plus thousand to win every night. So, um, you know, that was a no brainer to us. Um, you know, just trying to go, like I said, trying to go hit the big money races. And I saw Walkopedia tweeted the other day, there's like 40 races that pay 20 grand or more, uh, for winning sprint cars. And, you know, the obvious one being the Eldora million. So, um, you know, that's kind of more, I think what we want to shift our focus to, um, you know, try and pick off a crown jewel and, uh, you know, just try and, like I said, try and win as many races as we can and see if we can't fit a hundred races in the schedule. Yeah. It seems like it's the, 
new trend almost. Um, of course, your your really big teams that have been doing it for years are still doing it. But Central PA wise, Brock Zierfoss is really the only one that's chasing one of these series. Of course, Brent found more success when he came off of tour. Um, Danny, of course, does what Danny does. And, um, you know, and Macri hasn't. I'm really surprised he has not chased something to this point. But to your point, it might not make sense to do so. Um, you know, and again, late models guys have been doing that too now where it's just we're just going to pick and choose and hit what we do. Now, you guys are trying to achieve three three digit race number here. So mathematically, we're talking two races a week if you count from January all through December. So there's definitely going to be stretches where you guys are going to be hitting a lot of stuff pretty quickly. <coughs> um, you know, do you guys kind of map this out and, and try and keep it reasonable as far as the distance you're traveling? Um, you know, I mean, the payout obviously takes, takes a lot of that into consideration, but uh, you know, being in Pennsylvania, I mean, we could have a lot of really good races around here and, you know, on, you can make kind of swings out of things and go, you know, go up and run through Knoxville and do all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, luckily, you know, my, my, my family shop was based out of, you know, Indiana. So we kind of have a little home base there as well. We, you know, being able to go back and forth between shops is kind of nice, but, um, you know, we don't even really have a full schedule put together. I mean, we have a list of a lot of stuff we want to do. Um, I don't, it was like 140 some races, but just trying to narrow it down to realistically, you know, what it is to what we're actually going to try and accomplish. Um, you know, still kind of weeding through that little process. When you were down in Florida, I mean, I know when the outlaw schedule came out and they were going to do this revisit to Volusia and then come up to PA, I was kind of weary of the Pennsylvania teams who I would definitely assume would be running the icebreaker. It's just a ritual for some of these guys, Macri and Danny, Brent, and of course I'll include yourself in that. I was concerned that guys wouldn't want to go back down to Volusia to come back up home right away. Did you hear any other guys saying they were going to go back down to do that? No, um, I'm not hundred percent sure. I saw Danny t tweeted something the other day, but um, I haven't heard for sure if he's going to do it. I'm not, you know, I haven't really, uh, you know, had that conversation with those guys or anything, but um, I'm sure I'll see him this weekend at the icebreaker. So we'll find out. I know, uh, I know we're planning on doing it. So I uh, go back down to Volusia after the icebreaker and, um, you know, come back up and, and follow those guys through Pennsylvania. That's cool. That's really cool. You had mentioned that you have the, you know, your home shop as a, another home base when you're out on the road, you know, when you guys, would go through swings with the all-stars over the last couple of years and you'd be down in that Missouri area or, uh, you know, Wisconsin and stuff like that. Would you find guys you knew in the area or, you know, other teams that were local based that you might be able to pair up with to try to get some arrangement similar to that? Or was it all yeah. parking lots and, and uh, what we tend to see on, on Twitter? <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a combo of both. I mean, sometimes there's, you know, guys, uh, you know, we used to, we, we use some guy shop sometimes, but a lot of times we're just out of parking lot. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I tend to see guys occasionally post, uh, you know, Hey, we're hooked up with so-and-so, you know, out here in California or stuff like that. And, uh, it's nice to see other teams. Uh, I think it was Gary Selzy actually had Donnie shots at his shop when they were out West. So it was kind of cool to see, competing teams you know 
uh, pairing up like that. So, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's always a bonus when you can, you know, go somewhere and, and uh, you know, work out of a shop. You know, a lot most of the time the guys have, you know, heat, heat and air conditioning and stuff like that. So it uh, it definitely makes the job easier, especially when you're traveling through the hard times and, uh, you know, throughout the summer. So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, during PSP, we'll stay at, uh, you know, we Sean Michael's house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got that he's got that shop there. So um, it's nice, you know, we pull the, you know, pull the rig in and, and unload the car and, you know, and the air conditioning. So um, it just makes things a little easier sometimes. Oh, and I'm sure it comes with more than just heating air conditioning. For one, you got a nice, probably a nice commode to use. You probably have some homemade food. Oh, yeah, all that stuff definitely comes into play. <laughs> so um, last thing I wanted to bring up before we get into our green-white checkered segment and, and wind down. So, again, Ranity at AC. How did you end up going to an indoor TQ show in Atlantic City? And I'm sure you didn't go by yourself. So how did this whole idea come about? Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, for starters, you know, I run the rumble in Fort Wayne, so I've always, I have an interest in the, uh, you know, in the indoor stuff and, um, you know, I've, I've watched Atlantic city and stuff on, uh, you know, on, on the streaming services and stuff like that. So, you know, I've always kind of had a little bit of an interest in, um, you know, I had, I had some friends going, so, um, you know, kind of went with them and they were, was able to give me a ticket. So, um, you know, it was pretty cool, man. It was my first experience to an indoor TQ race and, um, you know, be going to Atlantic city was pretty cool too. So, uh, you know, it might be something I want to check off the bucket list at some point, uh, you know, it'd be cool to get a ride and, and uh, you know, run that race. Oh yeah. There, um, and you chose the best one of them all too, where there's a huge party going on, uh, as you know, it's crazy how many people actually migrate all to that bar afterwards. It, it's funny when I go through the pits and I see all these people I know, and then I go to the bar and I'm like, who are all these people? I don't know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like two different completely environments, but they're all intertwined together. But uh, definitely a cool atmosphere and um, great racing, too. This year, you got the bonus plan. They ran a full program on Friday and Saturday. But um, yeah, that indoor stuff's crazy, man. Those those tracks are super small. And to your point, you know, you've done the the rumble at Fort Wayne. But uh, these TQs are nuts, man. Yeah, I know. Like I said, they're, uh, they're, I mean, the cars are pretty badass themselves, so it'd be cool to, uh, it'd be cool to try and rip one of those things one day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that happening. So, um, but, uh, as we wind down, I would just wish you the best of luck this year, man. And, uh, have fun with the icebreaker this weekend. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Knock I'm looking down. forward to a good result. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that is one thing too. What did it feel like to, uh, park the, the Kramer Williamson throwback? in victory lane at Lincoln for the Kramer clash. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, I got, had a helmet done up last year for, or I'm sorry, in 2021 when we, uh, you know, had the pink car, uh, the Kramer Williamson 73. So, um, you know, I was able to wear that helmet and take that to victory lane, but, um, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to park it for, you know, Kurt and Williamson family. Um, you know, I've become friends with those guys over the last couple of years. So it's cool to, uh, you know, it's cool to be able to, you know, have a hold of pink Panther trophy and, uh, you know, have the, uh, you know, have the pink, pink Panther patch on my arm. So, um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's probably one of the most notorious rides in sprint car racing history. That wasn't just because of the high, you know, falutin guy that drove it or 500 wins or whatever the case is. It's just the nostalgia of that car and Kramer. And, uh, it's awesome to see that throwback. And of course, made some for some awesome merchandise too. Yeah, yeah. Kramer actually won the uh, the first na- you know one of the first national opens, so that was yep. that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, that'll be next on your list, right? To to knock off the seventy five thousand dollar to win national open. 
yeah, that would be cool. Uh, maybe I'll have to pull that pink helmet out of retirement for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, if you're not going to be technically an all-star or an outlaw this year, I guess you're now PA Posse full-time, right? So I guess. I don't know. I was, I was having that conversation the other day with somebody. I was like, I wonder if they're going to claim me. I, I mean, so it's, it's tough. I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of people. So, like, Jacob and Logan are kind of sworn in, but they're not full posse because they're on tour so it's kind of this weird thing and but if you're like brent came off tour and he's back to being posse so if you're going to be around running a whole bunch of stuff there's no reason why you can't be considered posse yeah i mean i would uh you know i'd accept it i think it's pretty cool man you know it's uh i spent a lot of time in central pennsylvania you know being at the shop you know in brownstown there so um yeah it'd be kind of cool yeah and Posse has a really good record of the National Open, so that might be a little ticket into the the at least the podium for sure. So keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be nice. I think I think we ended up sixth last year, so you know I had some speed. Just uh, you know, gotta gotta find out a little bit extra. It's tough beating the sixty nine k at Williams Grove. It's just it's insane how good. It's like they turn it up another 10 notches when when they're at the Grove. So um, as long as you don't have any more run ins in turn four that end up on the wrong side of things, I think you're going to be on, <laughs> on your way to some good finishes this year. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I, you know, I used to hate Williams Grove and I, you know, I'm, kinda, I'm, I'm learning to like it, you know, it's just being, being feeling like I'm a posse member. Yeah, I think, and, and I've heard that too from other guys where it's a, a love hate relationship and you eventually just, have to have to learn to like it or else you're just it's not going to go well yeah i mean you know all the the outlaws go there a lot the all-stars go there a lot um and then on top of that if you want to be you know good and 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 win crown jewels i mean you have to be good at waves grow speedway so it's just one of those deals you better get comfortable quick yep yep all right man as we uh wind this down ready for the green white checkered segment three random questions all right let's go It's time for Green White Checkered on the Four Wide Salute. All right, green flag question. What would you consider is the best action movie? Uh, Fast and Furious stuff. I had a feeling that was coming, and I'm totally all right with that. <laughs> yeah, I, kinda, I, I really, uh, I didn't really become a fan until about Fast Five or Fast Six or whatever it was. So um, I've since then gone back and watched them all a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, and I hear that the new one coming out is going to be basically a two-parter that ties into the finale. Uh, you know, the series is going to end with the one after that. So I'm really kind of uh, excited to see what, what they come up with next. Yeah, I'm sure it won't at this point. Yep. On to our white flag question. What's your go-to food stop after a big win? You craving something uh, in particular? Are we doing just convenience store stuff? Like, you know, do you get do you get pick? Well, a lot of times it ends up being just convenience store stuff, but I love breakfast food, so sometimes you know I like to hit the Waffle House or or the, the Denny's or the IHOP, but I haven't been able to do that in a while. Uh, you know, since I've been driving a thirteen car and we're racing all over hell and back, it doesn't seem like I get a chance to do that. Have you uh, taken to the, the sheets environment where you're at now, where there's sheets everywhere? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sheets and, and rudders. And you, we try to, we, hit, we have a Wawa not far from the shop. We try to hit that a lot. But, um, you know, you can't always find a Wawa everywhere in Pennsylvania. So it usually just ends up being the, uh, 
the truck stop dinner. Oh, yeah. And they've set up their game, too. Their menus are, are not bad at all. And, uh, you know, just leave it to Ricky Stenhouse to go to a, a Waffle House with his <laughs> Daytona 500 trophy, too. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty badass, for real. That that was uh, pretty cool. I was more impressed with the ring than I was with the trophy, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's all part of the prestige, man. You know, you want a historic race, so congrats to him. Hell yeah. On to our checkered flag question. When... When you moved into Central PA and now becoming a part of the PA Posse, what's one piece of advice that you might have gotten from a member of the current Posse or a legend from Central PA? Oh, man, you put me on the spot like that. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, all those guys are all those guys are cool people. So there's a lesson to be learned from every conversation you have with with those guys. So um, it's hard to put a value on just one of them. Have you had conversations with uh, Big Fred Raymer and uh, guys yeah. like that? Yeah, actually, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. You know, Fred was actually one of the first, uh, you know, one of the first guys that I kind of met there. You know, coming to Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, since then, you know, those guys, those guys have been pretty good to me. So, uh, you know, it's cool to know guys like that. And uh, I got to play around a golf in Lance Deweese one time. And you know, so like I said, you know, I was a big Lance Deweese fan coming up. And uh, you know, so it's cool. It's cool to you know do do stuff like that. So I gotta ask, did he kick your ass at golf? Yeah, Lance is actually pretty good. Well, so when I talked to him, he claimed that his golf game has gone down the shitter since Cole's been racing. So I suggest this year try to get him out there as many times as possible so you might be able to get him. Yeah, 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 we'll see about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Once again, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, best of luck this weekend and the rest of the season. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I look forward to it.